0: back to cover stories b-sides today we have uh our guest gus kelly coming on to talk about Jimi Hendrix's version of all along the watchtower how's it going it's going good how's it going here it's going all right. thanks for oh. coming on yeah absolutely i'm excited this is uh it's 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 uh, a mouthful to talk about this song because there's there's so much stuff to talk about yeah and... this has a lot of history
1: yeah and, uh, i'm excited yeah i want to see what you uh what your thoughts on it are.
0: Yeah. So, well, yeah. Let's start with yours. Um, So okay. as as a guest, do you remember like the first time hearing it or the first time you took like your conscious oh, of the song?
1: I Either version. Yeah. Uh, I, I have to go back to the original song first. Oh, really? Yeah. So Bob Dylan's song, Along the Watchtower. And then uh, some girl I had a crush on in high school burnt me a CD with, oh, cool. with that on it. Like a bunch of Bob Dylan songs. I really liked that one, and I think I kind of just went into, like, a wormhole from there, like, on YouTube or something, and then I was like, oh, Jimi Hendrix covers this song? Like, I've heard this song before, and so that was cool. And then from there, just all these different covers I've heard, but I think the Jimi Hendrix one is the one that stands out the most. But it's probably around when I was, like, 14, 15, I heard the song for the first time, the Jimi Hendrix version. Oh, cool. And then from there, it was just... uh, I loved searching into um, just what it meant and how powerful it was along the way.
0: Yeah, that, that's interesting. I, I feel like a lot of people thought it was a Jimi Hendrix original, I myself yeah. included. Uh, I think the first time I remember hearing it was in Forrest Gump. Okay. And the Jimi Hendrix version is in there. And right. I, I just associated it with the war. And it wasn't until actually pretty recent, like the last 10 years or so, mm-hmm. I realized it was a Bob Dylan yeah. song. Yeah. <laughs>
1: It's really interesting because I think I read somewhere where, um, Jimmy Jimi Hendrix covered the song maybe a month or two after Bob Dylan's song came out. Yeah, it was yeah. six months. They were released six months apart. Right, and then Bob Dylan loved Jimmy's version so much that he started yeah playing Jimmy's version, which is. Incredible, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's funny i I saw a lot because I did go through a lot of different sources, and mm-hmm. every one of them had like the same Bob Dylan quote from. I think it was like his eighty some eighty five interview where he said mm-hmm. that exactly. Yeah, and that uh, he loved. My favorite quote from him. They had a lot of reverence for each other, and oh yeah, Jimi Hendrix was a huge Bob Dylan fan, and uh, there's lots of different stories. But I think my favorite quote from Bob Dylan. This was years after Hendrix died. He said that. Because he Hendrix did five total covers of Bob Dylan songs, Mm -hmm. and they asked him what he thought about it. What he thought about this one specifically, and he said it surprises him, not that he covered so many, but that he didn't cover more because those were his songs. Mm -hmm. That was really cool, and like you know, it shows
1: his humility—the fact that he, yeah, Hendrix owned these (laughs) (laughs) songs basically. Right, it is crazy because I think there's another story with like Beatles and Jimi Hendrix where, um. The Beatles came out with, like, White Album or something, and then I, I don't know if this is... I, I've heard about it, but I don't know which album or whatever. But then Jimmy played, like, a, a cover of one of the songs off the White Album or something at uh, Woodstock or something and um, played it perfectly. And the Beatles were just, like, blown away with how well <laughs> Jimmy could cover it in, like, the span of, like, two weeks. Yeah. Of just, like, learning the song and everything.
0: Yeah, th- and that's one thing that's... that's a, the- I don't know if it's an urban legend, but there's different different scenarios of how he first heard the song. And his manager at the time claims that he got a tape before it was actually released by Bob Dylan. Okay, gave it to Jimmy, and Jimmy loved it so much that he decided to cover it. And when he was when they were recording um, in the late, uh, the Electric Ladyland Studios, it started out as just like an, of a jam session. Mm-hmm. He had okay. a four track recording, and it was he was literally yelling out cues as they were playing oh, he wasn't wow. telling yeah. them so they're playing through and the band's just looking along with jimmy and mm-hmm. it's he did it acoustic at first and then they moved to some new york studio and went from four track to 12 track to 16 track like wow. he was like obsessed with overdubbing it yeah it was really interesting to read about just because i mean a, a lot of people look at Jimi hendrix as just just like stalwart and this like person who's just
1: On another level, and he Mm -hmm. was totally geeking out about Bob Dylan. (laughs) I think it shows a lot to his, like, musicianship, too. Like, I think I read Bob Dylan said something that Jimmy unlocked part of that song that he could never find, you know? And to turn kind of, like, this very raw acoustic harmonica, drums, guitar, that's just about it in the original, to, like, a whole section of, like, this solo, guitar solo, he kind of turns the harmonica part into, like, a full-on guitar yeah. solo, which is, like, it's just really interesting to see and listen to that song and hear him unlock those, like, chambers you never thought you could find. Yeah. It's really interesting.
0: It's it's cool because uh, I, I read another quote from Jimi Hendrix. I don't know if it was from him or his dad was talking about him specifically, and he said that with, with Bob Dylan's music, a lot of times, he loved his music so much that there were certain songs that he'd hear, and it was like he wrote what I was trying to write already. Okay. So it was like, it was his song. Yeah. And that's why he really adapted them so well. Um, Bob Dylan also is not a great singer. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> For sure. there's a lot of quotes out there about how Jimi Hendrix was really self-conscious about his singing. Mm-hmm. Whenever he recorded singing, I think one of his bandmates, I don't know if it was Mitchell or, or the bassist, I can't remember his name, but they would say that he would like face the other direction. He didn't want to see people looking at him. Okay. And then he heard Bob Dylan And he was like, oh, well, if that guy can sing, then I can sing. Right. He didn't even mean it as like a slide on him. It was more of like, you don't have to be all the way in key or in tune as long as you have some characteristic to your voice. Yeah.
1: Bob Dylan really, um, one of his greatest characteristics, of course, songwriting. So he was good at writing. Yeah. And he was singing, not necessarily, but, and then he had everything else that would Cover up for that. Yeah. Uh, his musicianship and his guitar and harmonica at the same time very different. And I think both Bob and Jimmy are kind of, well, they are. They're legends in their own realm. Yeah. And then together, it's really interesting taking like these two different genres and just melding them together. And uh, of course, a lot of political stuff was going on yeah. in that time too. Uh, I think, I'm not entirely sure, but like Vietnam, it was written in 68, 68. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of a tail end. Oh, uh, so. we're at the beginning. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. So, like, all along the Watchtower, I I don't know if it's it's not completely political. I don't think, but just kind of like alluding to. There's a watchtowers lot of allusions
0: to there's an, there's a Bible version. I'm not really. Oh, I, I think Isaiah I read something. something. Right. Yeah, and there's a lot of like, not just the imagery, but also certain quotes are from it too. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, and and I mean. The first time I saw it was in Forrest Gump during the Vietnam scene. So I've always had it. I've never really, I'm a bad lyric person. I can't tell. (laughs) So uh, I've always associated with Vietnam because Mm. that was a Vietnam scene in Forrest Gump.
1: Yeah. I've also associated with, uh, it was in Watchmen too. Oh yeah. Yeah. At the very end. Yeah. uh, Night Owl and Rorschach are going up onto Antarctica or something. Yeah. Like the Joker (laughs) and the Thief going to the, you know, the Watchtower of Ozymandias and so I think it was really fit perfectly in that scene too. It was cool. Did
0: you ever read the comic?
1: I did. Yes. Uh, so I love they the comic.
0: there's a line around that time where they reference a certain line from the song. I can't remember oh, which one it was. Yeah. So I wonder. Makes I, sense. I, I'm assuming Zack Snyder did. I mean he he was very true to the comics. So I oh wondered, yeah, that absolutely. was definitely on the purpose. Com, yeah,
1: it's almost like shot for shot. Yeah. Almost. It's really it's really interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, there's uh there's just a lot of interesting things. I I. This is 68 and I've, looking back, I mean, Jimi Hendrix has been this big figure all my life, you know, looking mm-hmm. back at who he is and, you know, um, I forget there was a time where he wasn't Jimi Hendrix. He was right. just, you know, this guy playing guitar a weird way and 68 was kind of his, his peak and Along the Watchtower was his biggest hit. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. It ranked, I think it w- at the top 40, it went up to number 20. It's uh, he never was able to replicate that. I mean, he died hmm. shortly after that, a couple oh, right. years after that. But it's just interesting to to see that you know, he really turned his song into his own, and it's now probably his most famous song.
1: Oh, yeah. And I feel, and everyone covers his cover. Yeah. Like, I was, I think I looked it up on um, Spotify, Apple Music, whatever. And like Dave Matthews' band, U2, all cover Jimmy's version of yeah. the song, and then there's other versions out there too. There's so many layers to it. There's covers of covers of covers. Yeah. Which is really cool. Which, is, I mean, it just stamps its place in history, I think.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's, I, I've seen, like, anyone who has, like, a top ten covers list, that's always either towards the top or number one. Oh, yeah. There's, I mean, so many people have done Bob Dylan covers. He's got so many songs. Oh, his catalog is crazy. Yeah. yeah. Really, Stone actually had a top 100 Bob Dylan covers. Cover songs. <laughs> yeah, and wow. they were all different songs. Um, but, uh. This is always number one on that on, on those lists of yeah. Bob Dylan covers. How do you feel about the fact that you know it it you know you heard Bob Dylan's version first, mm-hmm. and um, the fact that it's become so synonymous with Jimi Hendrix that people some people don't even realize it's a Bob Dylan song originally.
1: Yeah, uh, I think I'm okay with it. It seems like Bob Dylan's fine. with Yeah, it. yeah, he's kind of uh, accepted it. That it's kind of uh, like I said earlier, like Jimmy unlocked these parts of the song that he could never get to, so he. He plays it in um, his spirit since he passed away. But I think it's uh, it opens the doors to people be like, oh, OK, this is Bob Dylan's yeah. song. Like, I mean, it's it's OK if it's not very known. I mean, Bob Dylan's got, like we yeah. said, hundreds <laughs> of songs. So uh, um, this just happens to be one of them that's covered that got really popular. But I don't know. I, I think it'll it'll always be like stamped in time and it'll be there. So if anyone wants to see, you know, go back in the the catalog they can just yeah oh, go back in the dates and find it yeah yeah and i'm glad sure. that it's there so did the jimmy ver? i think i i mean i personally like the jimmy version better yeah than this one but credit where credit's due like to the original source so yeah
0: definitely well, I, I think that with a lot of the songs i mean there's uh we had some we had some people come on uh shots of Audu, uh, a cover of a cover they did a cover of jerry garcia's version of senor by by Bob Dylan and oh, okay cool you see that so much that that there's these guys or these these artists who have a bigger is with Bob Dylan songs and mm-hmm. old Crow medicine show did uh, wagon wheel
1: okay i had no yeah. idea that was a bob dylan song
0: <laughs> you know so there's just all these songs that these these other bands become famous off of and i think it's just interesting that that they kind of make it their own but at the same time he laid the foundation down there yes yeah and it He's got also got songs that are so popular with him that even if someone did get famous for a cover, that I don't think it would be as anonymous. Like, like a Rolling Stone is my favorite Bob Dylan song. Oh, okay, right. And I just love the, I mean, just the hearing the like conviction in his voice when he says, "How does it feel?" Like, mm-hmm. and and that was that was his first electric guitar. Oh, okay. song, right? Yeah, it sounds about right. And people were pissed about it because he was <laughs> a course. folk artist and this and that. Right. I just, just love all the like all the context behind that song. And it's just, it's, I I love that song. One thing that's interesting about the recording of the Jimi Hendrix version is Brian Jones of the Rolling Stones, Mm -hmm. also of the 27 club, uh, was drunk at the, at the rehearsal when they were kind of jamming it out. Mm -hmm. And apparently Hendrix is really kind of uh, passive about, you know, kind of including everybody. And Brian Jones sees that they're, you know, listening to this Bob Dylan song and wants to join in, but he's wasted. Okay. he's like just clanging on this (laughs) piano and it sounds awful and it's out of, it's out of time. And, you know, after 27 Seconds State, they kind of like get him off of it. And um, they took, that was around like the 14th take. Okay. And they had a total of 27 in just that session alone. And I think the 20th or 21st, they gave him a vibraphone, Brian Jones, Mm -hmm. and that slap in the beginning that dun 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 dun, dun. oh
1: yeah <sighs> oh, that's brian cool.
0: jones actually Dang. okay with, i didn't know the rolling stones i <laughs> i had no idea it's just so interesting they had so many people kind of come in some of them are uncredited and yeah it's just uh, the collaboration of it it's kind of like watching it's like a director you know jimi hendrix was a director and he was directing all these people to do these different things it's just so cool to to really look into the process of it all yeah absolutely
1: and I think that was the kind of culture back then with songs too. Everyone was very collaborative with each other, yeah. and uh, it it makes me uh, wonder what who else Jimmy Hendrix would collaborate with if he was still alive. Like yeah, it, it, you know, it could be literally anyone. Fleetwood Mac, I don't know, yeah. just, just naming whoever. But yeah, it'd be really interesting to see who he would would um, work with. It's funny
0: because um, there's a lot of accounts about. Bob Dylan and Jimi Hendrix meeting. But a lot of times, they, they like Jimi Hendrix said that he met him once, but they were both really drunk and he recalled that they had a conversation and Bob Dylan doesn't remember that, but he remembers another time <laughs> that Jimi Hendrix didn't remember. Yeah,
1: just on and off.
0: And then Jimi Hendrix's manager said that um, they were walking in New York or somewhere and Jimi Hendrix saw Bob Dylan across the street and he yelled out, whoa, that's Bob Dylan. Hey, Hey, Bob, hey, Bob. And yeah. he like, runs in the middle of traffic to get to him. He says that Bob Dylan looked really startled, but then mm-hmm. he realized like, oh, that's Jimi yeah. Hendrix. And they Jimi Hendrix was saying, Hey, like, I'm Jimmy, blah, blah, blah. And Bob was like, Oh, I know who you are. yeah like, this is purple haze that already come out and everything.
1: Right. Oh, okay, of course. Yeah.
0: And uh he said the manager said that they acted like they had never met each other, mm-hmm. which could be true. It could also be that they were just so high that yeah, they forgot to
1: something. <laughs> yeah. But, That's uh,
0: incredible. It would have been fun to see them perform this together, or yeah. see them collaborate on something,
1: or even like the Beatles or something. After yeah, I mean, I know the Beatles started stopped playing live concerts like nineteen, I don't know, fifty five or something. I don't know, but it'd be interesting to see them collaborate or do even do a song together. Or it'd be wild to hear what they could possibly do. But. Just the way it is.
0: Do you have any? I mean, you mentioned the Beatles. Are there any any kind of dream scenarios of who you'd like to see Jimi Hendrix play with? Oh
1: man, um, like today, nowadays, any any time, anytime. Oh, I'd say Beatles for sure. Beatles, yeah, that would be just cool because I know they vibed really well together. They met, from what I, from my understanding, and um, sure, I'm sure they did drugs or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so a really bonding moment. Yeah, or like The Who or something, you know? Yeah. Just like any any huge rock group, really. I, I like the watching Prince play While My Guitar Gently Weeps
0: at the George Harrison tribute. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's the closest we've gotten to, like, Jimi Hendrix performing that's with the Beatles Yeah. Know, even though George Harrison was already dead at that point. Together, yeah. But uh, that was so cool. I love watching that video. Oh, man. that's really cool. He just looks possessed on there, and he's just, yeah. What was I gonna say here? There is um, it's interesting because um, his background is uh, Jimi Hendrix's background is really interesting. Um, I saw Little Richard play at um when I was uh, in college, and he was kind of uh, it was weird because we they were trying to get like you know kind of an indie band to play, and then at okay. the last minute, this guy I was in the committee that like. Brought them mm-hmm. And I was just a bystander They did all the work yeah. And this guy is like I got this I got this idea It's kind of crazy And then, let's bring Little Richard in So it was yeah. really cool It was one of those things You just kind of have to see Right yeah And he I mean, He's playing at college So he's kind of like Trying to talk to like The younger crowd right. Trying to adapt And <laughs> he was going on and on About how Jimi Hendrix Played guitar for him mm-hmm. at, at one point I had no idea that He had that background One thing that they That's talked cool. about In the recording too Is that uh, The basis of uh, The Jimi Hendrix experience Got really upset because he didn't want to cover this Bob Dylan song. Mm -hmm. And he kind of stormed out the studio, went across the street and they got some other guy to play bass. And then one of the overdubbings, Jimmy was like, you know what? I'll just play bass. And he ended Mm. up the bass that's in the final track is him.
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's crazy how versatile he is. Yeah. Also, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if this is true. I might've read it somewhere, but Jimi Hendrix, the first guitar he bought, um, he sold what he had to buy this guitar. And the only guitar that was in town or whatever, was left-handed. That's why he's left-handed. Oh, really? Just because he, yeah, he bought a left-handed guitar and learned how to play left-handed. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I heard that. I might be wrong, but that's what I remember hearing. But he, Jimi Hendrix is left-handed, for uh, sure. Yeah. yeah or he, he plays, plays the left-handed. guitar. Yeah, left-handed.
0: That's what they were talking about, too. Um, the bassist of Jimi Hendrix experience was talking about how he was an underrated bassist because he's such a great guitar player. Mm. People didn't know that he played bass, and he can kind of lay down good you know, kind of funky lines. Scripts, yeah. And that uh, he would—he uh, was really good at kind of adapting the right-handed bass to play for himself, okay. you know, his left-handed. Or played left-handed, I should mm-hmm. say. Um, but uh, I was reading, there's this uh, this guy, Ray Paget. He wrote this book called Cover Me, and it's just about, like, different covers. Yeah. And, of course, he has to talk about this one. He's actually got a, a website, too, um, called CoverMeSongs.com which uh, I just started using as a resource oh, for right. <laughs> the podcast. Yeah. Uh, he's got a lot of cool stuff on there. Um, but he wrote kind of about the host scenario, the whole situation with the recording. And in talking about uh, Hendrix's, uh, you know, fanboyism for Bob Dylan, did, he said there was a point in one time where he went to a Harlem club and he asked a DJ to play blown with the wind, mm-hmm. blown into wind. And, After some reluctance, he played it, and, like, everyone just cleared the dance floor, (laughs) and Hendrix was the only one vibing with it. yes. There's that, and then there's another story where he talked to one of uh, Dylan's guitar players and was like, oh, like, how did he write all these songs? And Mm -hmm. the guy was, like, on a typewriter? I don't don't know, man. (laughs) Right. It's just so cool to see, like, this, like, you know, as as fans, as as a fan of Jimi Hendrix and as a fan of other bands, to see that, oh, like, he's not different than...
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, than us. Or, like, yeah totally fanning out for Bob Dylan. I mean, that's a good person to fan fan yeah. or fanboy or girl over, but
0: for sure. It, it's it's just so funny like I mean, he's this guitar god and like he's like there with his record waiting for. Yeah.
1: And it's it's interesting cuz Jimmy kind of transcends genres and Bob Di- and I mean, they're all kind of like these gods in their own realm. Yeah, yeah like Bob Dylan, I'd say like Bob Dylan, Jimi Hendrix, Prince, um Paul McCartney, even or George Harrison, just uh, John Lennon. You know, they're all the kings of their own genre, but together, you know, they're all huge fans of each other and really respectful. It's really cool.
0: Yeah, it's 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 kind of a breath of fresh air. Um, there's this guitar documentary and it has like Jack White and The Edge. Have you seen that? I can't remember what it's called. It's like something get louder or something. No, I don't think so. It might get loud. Okay, and um. I, it was Jimmy Page, Jack White, and the Edge, and maybe one other person. I can't remember, but I don't know. I, I felt like watching that. It, it definitely felt kind of like. I mean, it was cool that they all were there talking to each other, mm-hmm. but it still felt kind of like like, oh, hey, we know who we are, and right. I'm going to show you my dick is bigger than yours, oh, you know, okay, kind of yeah. thing. It was like a measuring contest. Yeah. Okay. Um. And it's just so cool to see this. Like, it's not always like that. And maybe that was just for show. Maybe they're not really like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah it could be. I think the culture, yeah, it was just different back then. Yeah. It was just much more open. Everyone was really, because uh, technology isn't as available as it is now. And so, like like I said, the story about Jimmy learning a Beatles song in like two weeks, not knowing like, yeah. it, just like listening to it and learning it. So the, you know, everyone has huge respect for them now, late in the past rather than, I'm sure they do now, but maybe not as much. Yeah. a little easier.
0: How do you feel about the legacy of Jimi Hendrix now? I mean, in in two thousand twenty or like even the last 20, 30 years, and I feel like he became kind of synonymous with t shirts and oh, like Hot yeah. Topic posters, and, yeah, and kind of dye. like
1: weed and <laughs> yeah, exactly. almost. Yeah, I don't know, like kind of like with Bob Marley almost. Yeah, he's kind of he almost got pigeonholed into the same kind of realm as that. He's still kind of, I think he's still, you know, on top of the guitar, you know. Like, there's a lot of stuff based off him and stuff. We should, we need a movie about him, actually. There have been a couple. Yeah, there have been. There's oh, there was one not too long ago, right? Um, that I don't remember wrong. how long ago,
0: but did you, he was played by Wood Harris uh, from Remember the Titans. Okay. Um, And The mm-hmm. Wire, uh, Avon Barksdale. And he was also played by Andre 3000. Okay. And I think it's interesting about the Andre 3000 um, playing him is that Andre 3000 is always kind of, Revered as like one of the most underrated rappers, right? Okay. He's got great, you know. Everyone knows who he is because of Outcast, mm-hmm. but the way he like puts together sentences and how he runs them off, and he kind of brings them back, and he raps the way Jimi Hendrix plays guitar. Okay, yeah, it's so crazy to kind of see the similarities between them and how you know how he can really. I mean, we, we talk a lot about you know poets breaking rule, E. Cummings, and mm-hmm. you know, and how once you know the rules, you can break them. I feel like they're so synonymous with each other. And I think it was perfect casting. I haven't seen the movies. So I don't know okay. if it's good. or not. Yeah.
1: <laughs> cause I'm seeing like, you know, all these, uh, biopics coming out now, yeah. like Elton, the Elton John one. And then, the uh, Bohemian raps. Yeah. And all these songs. So that'd be cool. I mean, I would have to watch that one with under 2000 cause that'd be cool.
0: It was, I want to say mid two thousands. I think a lot of people got afraid to do biopics cause walk hard kind of made fun oh, of okay. everything. Yeah. <laughs> True. They made yeah. a great biopic while making fun of all the biopics.
1: Right. There's there's like, isn't it in uh, Across the Universe? There's kind of like a Jimi Hendrix character. Yeah. And like a Janis Joplin character, kind of. And he's in it briefly. Like, they just kind of, you know.
0: I've owned that movie for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> and I watched it for the first time, like maybe a few months ago. Really? Yeah. And my girlfriend wasn't into it, so he stopped watching it. <laughs> and I, I need to watch the rest of it. But yeah, there, there's definitely Jimi Hendrix type character.
1: Yeah. Um, there's just one that kind of like hangs out with them and like, yeah, play some songs and stuff.
0: Um, so what um you know as as a Bob Dylan song what are what are some of your favorite Bob
1: Dylan songs? For? Oh man, um, like a Rolling Stones one, "Blowing in the Wind." I think one of my favorite ones is "Hurricane." Cause it, oh yeah, it tells like it's like I think like 11 minutes long, seven minutes long. It's super long, and he tells this incredible like story about this guy who's like a boxer. Yeah, and I yeah, just like the melody of that one and. The way he tells this this whole story, I love that song. It's I could listen to it. Got a great
0: chorus over. too. Yes. Just, uh, yeah. He's he's really good at hooks. I mean. Oh yeah. He's also revered for his lyrics and, and things like that. But he, I mean, the pop music he writes is just so good. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I feel the same way like, like Rolling Stone. I mean, I forget about Hurricane, but yeah. that 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 line. Is, I mean, that that chorus is really great. Do you have a, other than this one? Do you have any other
1: favorite covers of Bob Dylan? It's funny because I remember getting this one CD and it was like, a tri- I think it was called a tribute to Bob Dylan. Uh-huh. And it was like a bunch of bands off of at the drive-in or no drive sorry, through drive record. Oh really? Yeah. And it was like at the drive-in RX Bandits, like all these bands covering Bob Dylan songs. But I don't, I don't remember. I, I'd have to look back at it and see uh, which covers I liked more, but I haven't listened to it in a while. It was funny because I, I think all along the Watchtower like pops up in my life. Like every oh, yeah? like four or five years. It's really interesting. Uh one being like in Watchmen and yeah. like Force Gump and stuff. And then I'll hear like I think like what was it? Punk Goes Classic Rock oh, really? or something <laughs> came out. Like someone did a cover of the Jimi Hendrix version. It was by like Envy on the Coast or some, oh, band, really? some <laughs> random band. And then um I was listening to uh, Dance Gavin Dance the other day. It's a they they have a lyric in Strawberry Swisher Part One, like all along the watchtower. Oh, really? Yeah, and that's one of my favorite songs. So it's just it's weird finding all these like references throughout pop culture, and it just it pops up every now and then. Yeah. throughout my life, it's really interesting.
0: I think that's just a testament to you know the timelessness of the song. Oh yeah, there's not really been an artist that I could think of at least right now, like jimmy hendrix other than prince Mm -hmm. and i mean i'm a big prince fan so i'm probably biased when i say that he like kind of had the career that jimmy would have had had he lived longer yeah i agree um but i mean he he even transcends all all more genre than than (laughs) hendrix does um I, i definitely grew up with you know kind of like, you know, loving that kind of music, but then, you know, when I got older, I got into punk rock and like, right, yeah. then I realized like all the punk people like Prince also, so yeah. <laughs> it all kind of came full circle. Do you have any kind of artists that you kind of have like in that, that same more current artists,
1: I guess? I, all I can think of is like my parents, well, I, I credit a lot of my taste to my parents because uh-huh. I grew up listening, my mom and dad are huge Beatles fans, mainly my mom. And then my dad is really into, like, this, like, blues, jazz kind of stuff. Which oh, cool. I kind of got, like, Jimi Hendrix and Almond Brothers and stuff yeah. like that. So they, they really kind of geared my taste of music into what it is now. As far as bands nowadays... Sorry, what was the question? <laughs> <I totally laughs> is there, like there anybody kind of
0: thoughts. on that level of, uh, you know, reverence uh, to you now? Or do you, you kind of look at them the way you look at Jimi Hendrix? Oh, man, I don't know. I don't
1: think anyone has hit that, like threshold really yeah yeah because like i mean i'm like really, really into like pop punk and alternative oh. stuff so i mean i grew up listening to like blink 182 yeah stuff like that but i don't think anyone's like kind of transcended to that that level yet i don't know
0: it's kind of understand. interesting because i mean there are bands that play you know great riffs and things like oh, that yeah. but the like the culmination of that and pop music isn't really there anymore right um, I, I can think of lots of guitar player or guitarists who I think are amazing and mm-hmm. can play great technical stuff, but they're not on the radio. Yeah. My mom doesn't know who they are.
1: Right. No. I think I would say the closest I can come to, because this is also very geared, I'd credit to my mom, is John Mayer. Yeah. like the closest I can think of that he kind of he has this really good line where he can kind of transcend, he can kind of float in any genre he yeah. wants. He can go into like pop, he can go into blues with the trio. He kind of ventured into like a country kind of folky, yeah, kind of like a Neil Young, Bob Dylan esque stuff. Yeah, I think as far as I would say guitar technique and like skill, I would, I would accredit like John Mayer. I would say that's a good
0: call. I, it's yeah. somebody I don't think about a lot. Do you remember when you first realized that he can, he can play?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think my mom, okay, again, I'm gonna <laughs> talk about my mom for a minute. Okay, so my mom. And I will say that she knew John Mayer before, like, anyone. Yeah. Yeah. She would, I mean, she's seen him, like, thou, uh, not a thousand, I would say that, like, at least 20 times. Oh, cool. And I remember her listening to him and being like, this guy's good. Like, he's going to become something. I'm like, all right, all right. And so I'd go to the shows with her and stuff. And then when he came out with... Um, Continuum? Continuum. And yeah. then later with the trio, oh, I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, this guy can play. And he he came out with a live album in between that, and I would listen to that one a lot. He played, like, Message in a Bottle by yeah. the police, and um, he had this song Covered in Rain, which he only plays live. He hasn't put it on, like, a studio record that is, like, crazy guitar technique and skill and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah I would say John Mayer just because yeah. it's really cool seeing him evolve into – what he's done it's so funny because i
0: remember when he first came out no one knows or um not no one, no one what's the name of that song Those just thing okay right so, so like his first album room for squares and i'm yes. just thinking like this is mom rock yeah yeah no it totally I, is yeah. i kind of you know i kind of like it but it's yeah. not and then i remember i kind of just forgot about him mm-hmm. and i moved uh when i went to college i uh, my buddy uh my buddy kyle um he uh was just like oh you have you heard his trio stuff? I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I don't want. I don't want to listen to John right. Mayer, you know. <laughs> and then he he played some of his trio stuff. I'm like, oh, who is this? He's like, yes. no, it's just John Mayer, right? Yeah,
1: <laughs> it blew my mind. It's so cool. And I've seen the trio too live. Before. Oh, really? It's so yeah. It's really cool. Like, and they, you know, another kind of green. That song is really good. Um, that whole album, like Gravity, and yeah, yeah. It's like he he matured a lot after those. First, like kind of poppy, you know, your body's a wonder, yeah, and stuff like that. Like, even he's expressed, like, yeah, I'm kind of tired of playing this song, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's it's it, but he's come to accept, like, it's part of him, you know, part of his upbringing, part of his uh, catalog, so yeah, yeah, it's really cool.
0: So, so being into like, like pop punk, and we talked about kind of these, like, what is it, Fearless Records, you know, oh, yeah, punk goes. <laughs> compilations, yeah. Do you have any favorites from any of those?
1: Oh man, yeah, for sure, because I remember like getting really excited when those would come out oh, yeah. when I was in high school or something like, Oh man, I can't wait to hear like this part. Uh, one of my favorites, I think is like the starting line covers uh Jennifer Lopez. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. A <laughs> uh, uh, real, Ye- uh, what is it called? I'm real. Yeah, I'm real. Yeah. that <laughs> song. And it's just like, it's ridiculous. It's fun. Um, I'm sure there's like a yellow card one and the newfound glory one. I think I didn't get into it till later down the line. When um there was like pop go or punk goes pop, uh-huh. when it's like the main does like umbrella or something, okay, yeah, and then I think the the this is weird, but the one I I liked a lot was um because I knew the most bands on it was pop goes crunk, oh yeah, they did all <laughs> the rap ones. And, like, Set Your Goals does um, some song on there. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and then, like, The Secret Handshake does I Wish by ski And <laughs> it's, like, all these random bands. I really want to look it up now. I like that because I, I remember
0: getting into the earlier ones. And I don't know if they were even on Fearless Records, but I think there's, like, a, a Punk Goes Metal. Oh, okay. And our expandants do Holy War by Megadeth.
1: Damn, I didn't
0: know that. Fucking rules, yeah. man. Uh, there's that one. And then I think Dynamite Boy does... Back in Black by A C D C. Hell yeah. I can't remember if it was Dynamite Boy or I think it was Dynamite Boy. Um and then there's a really good one. Um I was really into this band Mad Caddy's Era Ska band. They did Youth Gone Wild by Skid Row. Okay. I knew who Skid Row was, I knew who Sebastian Bach is, but I could not name a song <laughs> other than this <laughs> yeah. one. And the song Youth Gone Wild, it just it's really, really good. And they do it enough, they keep it like kind of, you know, heavy enough to where it's not just
1: a bunch of like horns and things like that, which right. would have oh, been cool okay. too. But yeah. It was, It's a really cool cover. It's interesting genre bending too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Set your goals. Did put your hood up. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. It's ridiculous, but it's great. And then there's there's one that um, like songs that saved my life. There's uh, ones that come out recently. Uh, Dance Gavin Dance did one. Uh, I forget the song now But it's popular the I forget The Third Eye Blind song? Yeah, uh, yeah. Semi-Tribe Life? Yes yes, yes I'm yes. not
0: really into dance Gavin Dance But I really love that cover yeah, that's, That cover is really good I like that one It makes me happy too Because that's that's my karaoke song Okay And cool. there's the radio version And then there's like The CD version The CD version has this whole Extra like bridge That's really dirty mm-hmm. uh, It's as dirty as you can get Without swearing Yeah And uh <laughs> They did the actual album version. So oh, okay. I was like, okay, they're cool. That's that cool. That is tight, yeah.
1: <laughs> Dance Camp and Dance, they, they've they done a, I think my favorite cover by them is a, the Bruno Mars song. Um, damn it, what is it called? The, the on the fireplace at night. Mm, dun, dun, dun. No idea. Okay, <laughs> never mind. That song, it's that, by Bruno Mars.
0: That's one of my blind spots too. I feel like top 40, ironically, like I don't hear, I don't listen to radio enough to like, like, if I hear something, definitely, you know. Oh, yeah.
1: I didn't even know that song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a Bruno Mars song. And I was like, oh, Dance Kevin Dance came out with a song. This is cool.
0: It feels so backwards to learn about Bruno Mars through Dance Kevin. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like the I'm other like, way around. i oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> they made it better. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I, I wanted to, I mean, I kind of wanted to mention this earlier, but like, yeah. you, you like the Beatles a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, do,
1: what what starting to off? What, what are some of your favorite Beatles songs? Oh man, well my son's Jude, yeah. So hey Jude is one for sure. Um, I don't know. Back in the USSR is one of my favorites. Um, pretty much anything off Abbey Road, and uh, Hard Days Night. I like a lot of the uh, the earlier stuff uh-huh. too, just because that's what I was grow up growing up with listening to. It's like going on the way to school. I would my mom would play Kono One Hundred and One. Oh, that's cool. like Beatles all the time. So. Um, yeah, Hard Day's Night, Help, Um, I Want to Hold Your Hand, um, yeah. Who's, who's but, your favorite? Do you have a favorite Beatle? Oh, I have a favorite Beatle, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I would say it has to be Paul McCartney. Oh, really? I, I share a birthday with them. Oh, cool. Why. Yeah, that's exactly why. So, Paul McCartney, and then Ringo's just kind of, you
0: know, goofy. He's there. Yeah, <laughs> he's just out there,
1: so he's kind of goofy, so I like Ringo, too. Also, I play the drums, too, so, I, you know, Ringo's, like. Yeah. One of the top five drummers for me Even though simple beats but Yeah a solid technical Yeah yeah. He's like the silent killer
0: of the Beatles
1: Yeah sure.
0: uh, George is my favorite Yeah I've always decided George is like the Donatello of the group
1: Oh yeah yeah uh, Absolutely I
0: feel like Paul and and John Were kind of both the Leonardos Yeah And I guess Ringo's the Michelangelo <laughs> yeah, he's kinda, yeah He's definitely the goofy one for sure I had a I took this course My freshman year in college um, And it was a rock and roll history class It was an elective Oh Alabama. wow cool they're a lot of fun. And uh, our, our professor was was kind of like a rock snob nerd. Mm-hmm. And he, we, when we got to the Beatles, he talked about, he loves the Beatles. And he he talked about how everyone blames Yoko for breaking up the Beatles. Oh, yeah. He blames Paul McCartney. I believe it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was just interesting, because to, to, that you know, at that point, that was the first time I'd heard that perspective. Mm-hmm. But then I think about it, and I really like Wings a lot. Oh, yeah, I love Wings. Yeah. Um, Band on the Run is like one of my favorite songs. Yes, and it's just so cool that you know him and his wife were doing it together. And yeah, like, it, it it was one of those things that like it was it was so cool to see that and to see like them make music together and then make this like really timeless music. Live and Let Die is yes. amazing. Um, Take and
1: It Away is one of my favorites. Oh, I haven't heard yeah, that one. That one's oh. a good one. It's about the Beatles too. Oh, really? Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah,
0: um, but yeah, and I, I've just I've always identified with George just because he was kind of quiet and mm-hmm. he was uh. He was, it was, it was like being a great basketball player on a great basketball team. Yeah. Like you kind of get forgotten about because you're on a team with LeBron and oh, Wayne right. you Wade. Know? Yeah. So um, I've always kind of felt like he, I mean, he accepted his role and like, I mean, you know, while my guitar gently weeps is amazing. Oh yeah.
1: Here Comes the Absolutely. Sun is amazing. Here Comes the Sun, yes.
0: Yeah. I just, I just loved his whole, his whole
1: demeanor and, and
0: the stuff that he wrote.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of like go with it. Yeah. And then I'm sure when the Beatles broke up, he had a lot of freedom to yeah. kind of do whatever you know. They all did, yeah. I think George definitely explored more of what he wanted to do.
0: I mean, he he outside. was with the
1: Wilberries after traveling Wilberries after that. And yeah, I mean, him,
0: Tom Petty, Orbison, Bob Dylan, bringing yeah, back to Bob they, Dylan. <laughs> there you go. And some other guy I can't remember. Um, but uh, it's uh, it, it's just it's just so interesting to see that how we always talk. A, a lot of people like to talk about how different it was in the sixties, how different it was in the seventies, but. When you read these stories, it's kind of like behind the scenes. You just realize how much, like you said earlier, like they were all friends. They all yeah. liked each other. They all loved each other's music. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there might have been like rivalries here and there, but at the same time, it seemed like it was more, it was definitely more uh, uh, compatible. It was more Oh yeah, them helping each other out. So uh, to bring it back to, to Bob Dylan and, and Jimi mm-hmm. Hendrix, do you have any final
1: thoughts about either song? Um, I I would say I like. I'd say I like the Jimi Hendrix song better, but original is still stands strong. Yeah, yeah. like they're the same song, but they're two way different yeah. versions, and that's what I love about this cover. and And I love the kind of relationship between Jimmy and Bob. Yeah, that uh, has kind of transcended, and it, it's like, yeah, I play this song, you know, after his death because I I love the way he has done it. Yeah, and I, I don't know, I don't think you could say that about. Very many things, you know. Yeah, I maybe in the realm of the Beatles, Back to the Beatles, but I love, I love like the relationship between Bob Dylan and Jimi Hendrix, and I love that he plays it live in memoriam to him. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really beautiful.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really cool. I mean, it's just it's one of those things that you you don't see a lot of from younger artists in general, and the fact that this guy pretty much. So what, there was a there was a a question when I was doing my research cuz you know you have mm-hmm. like the the Yahoo Answers or whatever. Oh, yeah. One of the questions was has Bob Dylan made as much money off of his cover of people covering him <laughs> than he has <laughs> yeah. like his own songs and it was a legitimate question that I felt like could be interesting to explore.
1: Right, yeah. I think cuz uh, you talk about like copyrights and ownership of yeah. songs and everything but I don't know, I don't think he cares. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's kinda like he's he's kind of made his stamp in music history as like one of the greatest songwriters and, yeah. and musicians. So I I think he, he knowing him, he might just be like, Yeah, do it. Whatever. Yeah, I don't care.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean he he put the cake in. Jimi Hendrix has the icing. And the icing tastes better, but you can't have the icing without the cake. Yeah, that's a perfect. Meta. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it took me 40 minutes fact. to think of that <laughs> just right now. <laughs> that that's a perfect metaphor for this song. I love that. All right. Well, hey, thanks thanks a lot for coming on. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. I right, take it. Uh, thank you guys for listening. This has been Cover Stories B-Sides.